something I want to talk about. Can you put up the, the title slide for me, Jer? I want to talk about being saints. Okay? Saints. That's a word you might hear a lot if you grew up, especially in more traditional Christian backgrounds, you're used to hearing this word. But I want to talk about what it means to be saints. And to be honest, the original um, inspiration, as it were, for this uh, title came a few weeks ago when a friend of mine is actually here right now, John. He's there in the middle there with a the white t-shirt on. John and I play hockey together. We, we've played hockey together or against each other for, I don't know, 20 years, 15 years, maybe. And uh, years ago, we had a team. We call, and we, because we did it ourselves, we decided to call the team the Fighting Saints. Now, you may think, oh, what do you mean? It was sort of a play on words that were Christians, and also there was teams in the past. In the 70s, there was a team called the Fighting Saints. Actually, there still is today uh, in other leagues. And we thought that would be fun, wouldn't it? And then, anyway, this summer, we, or this August, we had a chance to resurrect the name and, and bring back uh, the Fighting Saints, which we have done. And so we played on Friday, and thank you. We won our first game. Thank you very much. And um, so we're playing as the Fighting Saints. And I thought a few weeks ago, I said, It'll be, it's an interesting thing. Like, what does it mean? So I started reading up on what it meant to be a saint and reading up on the saints. And then um, I, I had decided to preach this message. And then on Monday or Tuesday, I can't remember which day it was, I was feeling uncomfortable with it, and I wanted to change. And I wanted to do something different. And so I was driving home from work. And uh, I suggest you do this. If you're ever struggling with something like that or not doing, I put on some Christian worship music, and uh, I was listening to it and trying to get uh, my mind centered on it, and I couldn't land on anything. And I heard a really good song uh, that I like, and I thought, okay, I'll try. I think that's I'll, I'll try and speak on that aspect of things. And then I thought, I thought, oh, I've got to change. I've got to change everything. I've got to change all my notes and so on. And then we sat down to dinner, and Caleb looked at me, and the first question he asked, you guys will remember this, Monday or Tuesday, he goes, Daddy, what's a saint? Do you guys remember that? And I was like, oh, okay, Lord. <laughs> I get it, right? And so he, like this, I, out of nowhere, he just asked, he'd been reading something or seeing something. I don't know where it came from. Maybe it was from my hockey. I don't know, but he asked it, and I said, okay, Lord, I get it. You want me to speak about this? I'm going to speak about this. And so we talked about that. Now, Caleb, of course, um, uh, was... Uh, maybe uh, he's been hearing, and I said, what do you mean by saint? He goes, you know, like in the Bible, saint this, saint that. And actually, we have a lot of that understanding. So let's just talk about what it means to be a saint. So the English word saint, as we know, comes from the Latin, okay? Sanctus, right? If you grew up Catholic or even Anglican, you probably are familiar with that word, sanctus. Uh, we are, if you're French, it's the same word, right? But it sounds a little bit different. So sanctus uh, the word uh, in Greek that we read it in the New Testament where we see it often, and I don't want to butcher this, so sorry, forgive me, Penelope, but hagios, okay, uh, which actually is close to holy, okay? So a saint is a holy one, okay? And uh, that word actually appears 229 times in the Greek New Testament. So it's a word you see a lot. It's funny, isn't it, that a word you hear a lot in the Bible, we don't often hear in our conversation. Okay? Um, so it's very funny that we should look into that. And the English translation, it comes up quite a few times as well, and so on, so about at least 60 times. And so we know uh, this idea of saint. If you grew up in Orthodox churches or Catholic churches, I want to be very clear that I'm not criticizing them right now, but I am going to explain that why their whole practice of sainthood is wrong. Is that okay? <laughs> I, I don't want to like pick on them, but uh, in, in those churches, they uh, 
set apart special people, maybe people that they say have committed, have done miracles or um, have a special relationship with God or so on, and they denote them, they count them as saints. And if you go into their churches, they will have pictures and so on and so forth of saints, so and so and so And almost every church from most traditional churches are named after saints. For example, just up the road there is St. Luke's, named after Luke, actual Luke Luke, okay? And there's St. John's and St. James and St. everything, you know, St. Timothy, St. There's, there's a thousand. And even today, people can still be named saints, okay? And it's not about picking on that, but I think what happens is, remember I talked about it comes from a misunderstanding or a dysfunctional understanding of who God is or who we are. Okay, and this is why it happens. So we created a new class of people, uh, sainthood, it's called. Okay, and they do this thing called canonization. That means they become saints and they go through a test and you have to prove that they've done a miracle and so on and so forth. I don't want to waste too much time on that. The bottom line is, so in our in our cultural understanding, we even say things like, oh, he's a real saint. Right. Or, whoa, she's not really she's not a saint. Right? She's no saint herself. We say things like that. And when we say that, what we're saying in our language is, oh, they are better than everybody else. Do you remember the 80s and the 90s? The Montreal Canadiens had a goalie, Patrick Waugh. What was his name? Saint Patrick. Like we, His nickname was Saint Patrick. We meant that he was better than everybody else. And it created this idea of this sort of separation between normal Christians and the better ones, the ones who were closer to God. And so... I'm about to give away the whole movie. You ever had a movie where they give away the plot in the first five minutes? I'm about to do that. Okay, so the first big takeaway is this. This is for you today is, if you're a Christian today, you're a saint. That's the first big giveaway. Uh, You do not need to go through approval process by me or anybody else or some board or some whatever. If you're a Christian, you believe Jesus Christ is your Savior and your Lord today, and you've made that confession and that commitment, you're a saint. Done. Okay, we could all go home, but let's look into that a, a, a little bit. Um, there's no review. So if you're a Christian, you're a saint. Now, it's important that that doesn't give us any special power or anything like that. We ha- everybody has same access to the same God, okay? But brings up the question, like, what is a saint? What is going on? Now, if you read your New Testament, you'll often see when Paul is writing letters, he'll start a letter something like this, okay? Let's put up the first one, 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. He says, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those in every place, call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and Ours. So a lot of his letters start like that, Ephesians and, and so on and so forth. He'll call, when he's writing to the church, he's saying to all of you, all you saints, all you holy ones. Okay? He's not saying to all you saints and then the normos, the rest of the church. All you saints, you know, just uh, John and Catherine and Fabrizio, and then to the rest of the normal people. It's not that. So right away from the earliest apostles, they referred to all Christians as saints. So you can see it's a problem that in history we've made a diversion between that. There is no diversion. There is no separation. We're all saints. So those who are sanctified are all Christians. And all called in every place are saints. Okay? Now, we see it in the Old Testament, okay, too. Now, it might be different words in Hebrew and so on, but let's just look at one example. There's tons, but let's look at Psalm 30, verse 4. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. The proper translation would probably be, all you holy ones, okay? Now, 
Remember, we're not made holy because we are holy. We're made holy by Jesus. Okay, we become holy ones. But you can see there's a thread throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, the entire Bible. Anybody who follows and believes in God is a saint. You're saying, yeah, I think you made that point. Well, I'm going to keep on making that point because I want you to leave here today walking in your sainthood, having the right identify, the right understanding of your identity in Christ. Okay? Now, Ephesians continues this theme, okay? And we see it a lot. In fact, after the book of Revelation, Ephesians is where you hear the name saint the most. And uh, I love the book of Ephesians. And in fact, if, if I had to go back and live in one of the churches of the New Testament, I would pick Ephesus. That's my home church. That's what I feel like I am, okay? That's where I want to go. And you see that book, you see the word a lot, okay? And uh, actually, it's also after the Psalms. Psalms has the word saint more often, but that's because it's a bunch of songs and you know poets, right? And so Paul consist, consistently called people saints, right? So let's explore uh, what's said in Ephesians, and we'll look at some other verses too to understand that it applies to you and I who follow Jesus. Now I want to make a point here this morning. If you're here this morning and you're like, well, I don't follow Jesus. I'm not a Christian. No problem. You can become a saint simply by following Jesus and believing in him. That's how you become a saint. Not a terribly hard process. You can leave here today and join us in sainthood. Okay, so let's look at Ephesians 2. There you go. It's up already. 18 to 20. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father, so then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens to the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundations of apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So I just want to do one lesson, language lesson. When the Bible says aliens, they do not mean men from Mars. There was no concept back then of there being uh, possibly life on other planets. They mean foreigners, people from other countries, okay? Which most people in this room are from somewhere else originally, my parents included, okay? So that's what it's talking about. When he's saying um, strangers and aliens, he means foreigners, people from outside, Gentiles, and other people from beyond the borders. That's what he means, okay? I just want to clarify that from a language uh, perspective, okay? So through him, the first words, through him is through who? Jesus, we have access in one spirit to the Father. Okay, now, we have to be careful. Now, in, if you grew up in traditional Christianity, you're still struggling with the idea of sainthood. It even happens today. People will pray to saints to pray for them. Okay? Uh, for example, uh, so-and-so is the saint of travel, or so-and-so is the saint of sea travel, or so-and-so is the saint of birth, or whatever. And then you pray to that saint and then that saint is supposed to take your praise and give them to God. God bless them, but that's completely wrong, right? This one verse, this one sentence just takes that all apart. So through Jesus, we have access in how many spirit? One spirit, the spirit, to the Father. So what we're saying is, we're going to look at a very particular verse that you all know in a minute. So we're no longer strangers and aliens to God. We're no longer strangers and foreigners to God. We are part of his family. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So when you accept Jesus Christ, you're not level one Christian and you've got to work your way up to the level 10 Christians or the level 20 Christians. You are part of this household of God. With all, you are a fellow citizen of heaven, as it were, with all the saints and all the members. Now, there is a foundation that matters. Okay? Uh, uh, Pastor Amr referred to earlier about churches. Sometimes we can get obsessed with our programs and the way we do things and, and our style and so on. And it's the same way that many people can start coming to church because they like the church 
the way it functions, it's comfortable, there's nice people. Uh, when there's no COVID, there's a great kids' church, there's a great youth program, there's good music, there's good preaching, whatever. That is not the foundation of the kingdom of God. That is not what makes you saintly. The entire foundation of the church and the, citizen, and the kingdom of heaven and all the saints is Jesus. Okay? He's the cornerstone. And I know in the last two months, roughly, I already gave this analogy, but every time I use the word cornerstone, I want to remind you okay, what it means. Okay, the Bible calls Jesus the chief cornerstone. So those of you who are good at building things will know. We have to go through this. The cornerstone is the most important stone in any building. And guess what? Even today when they build 80-floor tower, towers in uh, skyscrapers in Abu Dhabi or Dubai or wherever, Seoul, wherever they build them, they're still a cornerstone. It, it didn't stop making cornerstones. It is the most important piece of the building. It sets both the foundation and the angle at which the building will go up. So the whole building is straight because of the cornerstone, and the whole building is held by the cornerstone. It sets the foundation. It sets the tone. It sets, if you will, philosophically, now we're talking spiritually, Jesus sets the whole parameters of all things for our life. Jesus is the cornerstone. Maybe Next time I speak, I think I'm going to speak on the house that was built on rock versus sand, okay? And, and that's what we're going to talk about next time. But... You get the idea. Then it says it's built on the foundations of apostles and prophets. We're going to get there in a second. Ephesians talks about that. Jesus gave gifts to the church so that the saints could be equipped, the saints could be trained, the, the saints could be discipled, the saints could, be, could learn so that they do the works that God prepared them to do. And who are the saints? You are. Okay? And so uh, it really does matter what foundation you have. If your foundation, unfortunately, is things... Bear with me for a second. I want you to think about this for a second. If your foundation is the church, then your foundation is not the foundation that God wants you on. And I, I mean this church or any org, church organization. This is the problem. People would say, well, like, yeah, I'm a member of the church. Hold on a second. Okay, not just this church, any church, any church organization. The foundation of sainthood, the foundation of us as believers is not any church or any organization or any random belief. You know, it is Jesus Christ, you know, well, every, there are churches out there. Well, everybody in this church only wears white. Why? Why is that even, why is that foundational? You know, well, everybody in this church, we only sing new songs. Well, why is that foundational? This church, we only sing old songs because they're the only good ones. Why? Why are you making things foundational that don't matter? You know, uh, the old saying is that, in things that are essential unity, in the things that are not, sorry, in the things that are in essential unity, and in the things that aren't essential, diversity, okay? So, like, don't, don't, and Pastor Omri already preached on this, so I don't want to go too much. I started writing and I stopped. Don't, you know, keep the main thing the main thing. Don't major on minors and minor on majors, okay? So, note, we have access to the Father through Jesus. And again, this precisely shows why we don't need saints to get access to God. Let's look at 1 Timothy 5 real quick, 2, 5, excuse me. There is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. So I want to just clearly get the word mediator out of the way. Okay, we'll talk about that. Uh, unfortunately, maybe some of you have gone through divorce or gone through bankruptcy or gone through some bad things. You know, a mediator is somebody who works between two parties who aren't agreeing on things or aren't able to get communication going. So the mediator goes to one party and says, well, what do you have to say? Oh, I want this and I want that. And then he goes back to, and he goes, this person wants this. And they go, no, I don't want that. And they go, they are the person in between. Okay? And so as I said before, 
There is nobody in between you and God except Jesus. And here's the good news. Jesus is God. Okay? You do not need me. You don't forgive my brothers and sisters in other church. You don't need a pope. You don't need a bishop. You don't need an apostle. You don't need a prophet. You don't need a preacher. You don't need your mom. You don't need your dad. You don't need your wife. You don't need your husband. You don't need anybody to speak to God. Okay? That's important. And anybody that tries to get between you and God, it's time to kick them out of your life. Okay? And, and Pastor Ron already referenced this. The most insidious, the worst place this is going to happen is in the church, not outside the church. You're going to get apostles and prophets and so on who tell you like, oh, God told me something special. I've already gone through this, right? God told me something special that you don't know and whatever. And you think, oh, they're saintly. Look at the way, oh, I better listen to that saint. Remind yourself, wait a second, I'm a saint too. And there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus, not this guy or that lady or whatever. I don't need this, okay? And I'm going to worship. I'm going to speak to the Lord myself. I'm going to bring my need to the Lord myself, okay? I understand. See, humans, we crave rules. And people say, no, we don't. We're rebellious. Yeah, but we want to be told what to do as long as it makes us feel good, okay? It's true. And so it's easier to say, oh, Catherine, you screwed that thing up. Here's what you do. Drop five bucks in the tithing envelope. I'll pray for you. And then it's gone. That's it? That's all I got to do? Yeah. Okay, five bucks, and he's praying for me. I bear no responsibility. It doesn't affect my life at all. I haven't learned anything, but I've done some action. And we feel better about that because it's like, ah. But then the next time it happens, five bucks and whatever. Third time, Catherine, 20 bucks. Okay? The 10th time, Catherine, for real? Show me your paycheck. I want 10% of it. And it gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse because I've created a barrier between her. What she's got to do is go to God and deal with it. Okay? And she can when she knows that she's a saint and God will deal with her himself. Okay? It doesn't mean you don't go to leaders and stuff for help. Uh, you know, this morning, people text me, hey, pray for me. Of course we're going to pray for you. There are people here this morning, just this week, text me, hey, can you pray for me? Yeah, of course we're going to pray for you right now. But remember, you've got to pray for yourself. Okay? You got to pray for yourself. You got to do the thing yourself. Why? Because you're a saint. Let's go back to Ephesians. Okay? Back to Ephesians 4, my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. Ephesians 4 12 tells us Christ, uh, before it says, Christ gave apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, what? To equip who? The saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. I already preached on this verse earlier this summer, but to equip the saints. Who are the saints? All of us. So, apostles, listen to me now. Listen to me. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. I want to be very clear. And I am, in one sense, one of those or maybe a couple of those. We only exist to serve you. I'm going to say it one more time for those of you who are sending money to people who are not helping you. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists only exist to serve the body of Christ and equip saints. And any apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist that is building unto themselves and building some sort of kingdom or a media kingdom or a money kingdom or a church kingdom is not doing what God called them to do. In fact, look for the apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers who are tired because they're always giving out. Always, always, always giving out. That is the mark of a true apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. Because that's our job, is to equip the saints. What does equipping the saints mean? What does it mean? 
It means teaching. It means sharing. It means showing. Saints live for God first, then for others. Then they live for the ministry. Then they live for themselves. And you think, oh, that's so unhealthy. You're going to burn out. You're going to lose yourself. You're going to go whatever. You don't get it. When you live and align yourself in the way that God has ordained life to be, it works out. It works out. Okay? It just does. There's a few people who know, there's a couple of people here, that, people that know me, actually some people here who work with me, okay? And they see how much energy I'm dispensing at work. They see how much dispensing I'm, 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 more energy I'm dispensing at, at church. They see how much energy I dispense in my family. And then somehow it's still there. Why? Because I'm special? I'm awesome? No! Because I believe it's, I followed, I told, I listened to what God said and I lined my life in the way that he asked us to do. And I'm not special, I'm not different, we're all the same. I put God first, I put others second, then I put the ministry, and then, oh, but your family never, I don't, I never, I I don't know, are we lacking? I, I mean, you know? Now, do people make that mistake and put the church before their family and then they suffer? Yes, but you'll often find that there's other insidious things behind that are the truth. Saints live for God, live for others, live for ministry and their families. We're, we're different. Saints are different. Saints are weird. Saints are odd. And this is one of the things that stops us so much from wanting to be a saint. That's why it's so hard for teenagers to be open Christians because the worst thing to be a teenager is to stick out. Right? It's to be different. It's the worst thing. You just want to, nobody notice me. Nobody notice that I'm different. Nobody notice me so I don't get noticed. It's hard. Okay? But, and then you think, oh yeah, teenagers, they're so dumb. Listen, adults, you're the same. You just do it in a different way. Okay? This is Chris Green said this. I found this quote. It says, Saints are strange because they live at a different speed from the rest of us. They live in step with the Spirit, and just for that reason, they are out of rhythm with what seems ordinary. Okay? Saints are weird. Saints are strange. It's not that we're weird or strange. Actually, it's that we're weird or strange to the normal. And I don't know about you, but the normal isn't working out too well. Have you watched our cities burn all summer? And I'm not blaming, you know, what's going on, but there's a lot going on in the world. And these, these deep, deep divisions that are, being, uh, so, um, that are being reaped now in our society. And please, don't be foolish and look at America and go, oh, ooh, stinky America. Canada's got its own issues. Okay, don't pretend like it's all hunky-dory up here. And we have issues to deal with. And I really believe it's, it begins by first giving our lives to Jesus Christ. And if that's controversial, then there you go. That's controversy. But I happen to think that if the believers of Jesus Christ really lived, in, uh, lived out their saint lives, their holy one lives, that our whole society would be affected. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Do you believe that? Yeah. Do you, are you sure you believe that? Because I believe that if saints are doing that, then the things that are plaguing the world, like racism, for example, should never exist in the church. And then if it's true that racism doesn't exist in the church, we could truly say to the world, well, look, we don't have any here, so look, but look because of what we're doing, because of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, the truth is racism exists in the church. Maybe not this particular church, but the church. It's, I'm using an example. Okay, it's just, we're not living up to our potential sometimes. And this is where we have a bit of a challenge because people say, well, oh, you're putting a burden on me. You know, uh, let me let me be really clear. God loves you. God wants to know you as Lord and Savior. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more because he loves you so much. Okay, you can't earn salvation. He just gives it to you when you believe. Okay, and it's amazing 
what he'll do for you, okay? But folks, can we get over this hump, okay? We're gonna get over this hump. When you say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm gonna live to be a saint, you live different. Yeah. You just act different. You just act different. Do you screw up now and again? Yeah, I screw up now and again. Anybody else screw up now and again? Yeah? Anybody? Good. You know? We all do it now and again. And we go to God for forgiveness. But it doesn't mean our lives are radically transformed. That's what churches call it, transformation. Transformed for the sake of the gospel. This can be challenging. It can be scary even to live like this. But it's worthwhile and God is there for us. Let's look at Romans 8.27. It says this, And he who searches hearts knows what's in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And even in this morning's word of prophecy, the Lord said to us that you'll know in your heart. Did you catch that part? I actually wrote it down really quickly. Bear with me a second. That you'll know my kingship in your life, in your heart. That's what the word this morning. So listen to this. God and he, who's God, the Spirit, searches your hearts. He knows what's in the mind because the Spirit intercedes. So Holy Spirit is praying, interceding means praying, and it doesn't mean praying like just, you know, sometimes we pray like before a meal, uh, thank you for this, amen, right? Not like that. Interceding, praying, pleading, you know, for, for you. Who for the saints? Who are the saints? Yeah, I like somebody said me. That's, that's it. Start personalizing it. Me. Right? Holy Spirit's praying for you. Is he praying for you by name? Yeah, I really do believe he's praying you for your name. And he knows your deepest, darkest secrets. He knows your deepest, darkest desires. He knows your deepest, darkest problems. He knows all those things, and he's praying for you. Now, you've got to understand, right before this is the verse where it says that the Holy Spirit helps us, helps us to know what to pray about. So not only is he praying for us, right before we learn that when we're not sure what to pray for or how to pray, he helps us pray. Then he's praying for us. And then comes the verse that everybody loves. I'm not putting it up there because it gets used a lot wrong. God works all things together for good. We love that one, don't we? A athletes use that one a lot. You ever watch an athlete, they win a game, and they go, yeah, God works all things together for good. Well, what about the Christian on the other team? He just lost. Right? Because they, they, out of context, but hey, we love those guys. God works all things together for good for those who love him. For who? The saints. So the Holy Spirit teaches you how to pray and what to pray whenever you need it. He also is praying for you, and then he's going to work all things together. And you look at the, all things? Look at my circumstance. Can God work all things together? Has anybody here ever had an impossible circumstance worked out? Anybody ever had that? Put up your hand. God works all things together. No, no, not my all things. Yes, you're all things. But you've got to put your life in his hands. You've got to live the way he's asking us to live. He will bring all things together. So be encouraged this morning. In one sense, though, too, it's time to wake up. Yeah. Wake up. Wake up. How many of you, how many, honest now, how many of you got at least a little bit stressed looking at the news this summer? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Be honest. Yeah. Even though you believe God and you know God's in control, you thought, what's going to happen? Right? Whether you're left or right or center, I don't care about all that stuff. Right? But how many of you thought, Ugh. Right? I don't know which way this is going to go. I can for sure say in my lifetime anyway, this is the worst moment in history that I can think of in my lifetime. My lifetime started off with communism got defeated and the Berlin Wall came down and we were all like, oh, the whole world is free. And now 30 years later, 
Not anymore. Okay? Why? Because the heart of man, the Bible tells us, is desperately wicked. Okay? And stuff happens. So it's time to wake up. But it's not like we're going into this unarmed. It's not like we're going into this blind. We're back in Ephesians, and we're talking about saints. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but Ephesians 6 is a famous chapter. You should read it. It's about the armor of God. Okay? And so Paul uses armor of a soldier as a picture of how we should be uh, dressed for the, the spiritual battle that we face. And it says this in verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit. Now remember, we just read, the Spirit's praying for us. The Spirit tells us how to pray, and then He's going to work all things together to good. Now we're here, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, praying for all the saints. Now, I want you to know that you've been dressed in armor before you do this. Okay? Saints, it, <laughs> saints, fellow Christians, it's, it's a dangerous world out there, and if you go out unarmed, without your armor on, and try to say or make a difference, it might turn out nasty. Now, what is the armor? Remember, salvation, righteousness, truth, peace, the sword of the word of God, and faith. If you try to go out without those things, and be like, oh, well, I'm a Christian, and this is what I think is the answer, you're going to get attacked. Okay? You've got to put those things on. Salvation. So become a, become a saint. Become a Christian. Know the word of God. Know your faith. Righteousness. What does that mean? Living right. Truth. Tell the truth. If I see one more Christian online, lie. As soon as you've lied in a conversation with someone about spiritual things, you lose. You don't think the devil doesn't know that's a lie? Peace. Make sure you're walking in peace. The, the peace goes on your feet. It's the shoes of peace. You go into your battle like that, praying in the Spirit for all the saints, and we'll see God move. Amen? So this is our blessing for today. Okay, so we know we're saints. We're armed now. We're ready to go. Let's go to Colossians. We're going to jump over there. I think I, I for sure did. Colossians 1. There we go. It says this, May you be strengthened with all power. Stop. Okay, how much of the power? All. Remember, when you're reading your Bible and you see the word all, highlight it. Because God is not a half God. God is not a half measures God. When he gives you power, he gives it all. But the power he gives is not power like the world, the power to destroy, the power to hurt. That's not God's power. We just talked about it. God's power is love and peace and joy and kindness happiness and, and, and strength and so on. So maybe strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, okay? So where's the source of our power? God. You've heard Pastor Omri probably says this verse every two weeks. He doesn't know it, but he always says, don't trust in horses and chariots. Now, again, that's an old version of saying, don't trust in tanks and bombers. Okay? Don't put your trust in politics or philosophies or what you learned in school or what you're doing at work. Don't put your trust in these things. Are those bad things? Not necessarily, but that's not where you put your trust. Our source is God's glorious might. Okay, ready? May you be strengthened with all power. How much power? According to his glorious might, so it all comes from him, for, how much, for all endurance and patience with joy. How much endurance and patience? All. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Stop. Again. See now, 
Who qualifies us to be a saint? God. Nobody else. Nobody else. You know, John and I could give you one of our shirts. Okay? It says on it, it says fighting saint. And it's got like a warrior angel on it. And we could give you one and say, well, now you're a saint. Does that make you a saint? No. But how is that any different than some church leader saying you're a saint? Who are they? They're not God. They're not the source. God is the source. So you share in the inheritance, sorry, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So you're a Christian, you follow the Lord, you're a saint, and now you get to share in the inheritance of God. And nobody has a say on it. Nobody has a say. We were talking about inheritance this week. I don't know why we were talking about it, but I know my in-laws were there because I was talking to my mother-in-law. And where is my mother-in-law? Uh, we were talking to my mother-in-law, and she was talking about my mother-in-law is one of five girls. Can you imagine? Five girls, no boys in the family. And so, unfortunately, when they had to split up some things, they did the most democratic process you could ever imagine. They got a spreadsheet, and then they took all the things people wanted, and then the grandkids said, well, I'd like that, and I'd like that, and I'd like this, and I'd like that. Then they ranked it all, and then they just did dem democracy, just like one at a time. Okay, it's Liz's turn. Oh, she gets that thing. Now, so-and-so's turn, they get that thing. Very, nobody could complain about it. Nobody could ever. But you know, here's the thing. Some of the things that Val wanted, she didn't get. Because it was so democratic. Okay? And the thing that I really wanted, we didn't get. Okay? But that's the way the world works. It's just like tough noogies. You get what you get. Okay? But in God's kingdom, everybody gets everything. There's nothing you miss out. You say, Lord... Uh, Lord, I need peace. Well, I'm sorry. I gave John all the peace this week. So you're going to have to deal with joy, maybe only. And it doesn't work like that. Oh, Lord, I need strength. You can't have strength. I've given too much to other countries right now. You can't it doesn't work like that. You've got God's inheritance. We all get it. All the saints get it. He, and then I've, uh, I've been preaching, actually, this verse has been in my stuff for quite a few while. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Amen? So we're strengthened with God with all power. From God, he is the source. We, and it says here, we have all endurance and patience. So we have endurance to last. And I, would, I, I was thinking about this, and think in this present time, that is what's needed. Because the hell that is raging all over the place, you need endurance to last. You can become fatigued. You can become distraught. And you need endurance to last. And it says, and patience. The patience to wait for what God is going to bring. Amen? You know, joy comes in the morning, which is patience with joy. The joy is coming, but it may not be here today, but it's coming and it's around the corner. Now, remember it says giving thanks to the Father. So it's important to stay thankful. Thanksgiving's coming up, right? We just take that one time of the year to say, oh, thank you, God, for everything. But stay in a position of thankfulness. I told uh, my family this this week. Uh, this week at work, my, my, the bosses who own my company, they're Jewish. And uh, actually, I was blessed by this. One day at lunch, they'd got some sushi, and I love sushi. I don't know if you guys like sushi. And they said, oh, hey, our rabbi is here, and he's going to talk a little bit. Do you want to come? I'm like, yes. <laughs> and so I went. And the rabbi knows I'm a pastor. He knows, he, he knows I'm a pastor. And uh, so he, he taught from the, the Torah, from the first five books of the Old Testament, and he taught about tithing. I was, I was, I was, I loved it. It's one of the best sermons on tithing I've ever heard in my life. 
Christians have no idea how to talk about money. This guy knew how to talk about money. And he said, listen, this is a tough time, he said. He said, this is a tough time in the world right now. And he said, but it doesn't mean you stop being thankful. It doesn't mean you stop giving your first fruits to God. He goes, why should that happen? He goes, well, everybody has an opportunity to complain and gripe. He says, but the word tells us when you give your first portion to God, he blesses you. And I was like, oh, that was good. So simple, so simple, so easy, you know. And he goes, and I was just blown away by it. So we have to stay thankful, right? Can you imagine that? A bunch of people always being thankful. That annoys other people. Do you know that? It annoys people who aren't thankful. I'm telling you, some people are shaking their head because they've been around situations like that. You know, what do you mean you're thankful? The world's uh, in a bad place. Listen, the world's been in a bad place before. It'll be a bad place in the future, but I'm thankful. I, I saw a great tweet this week from a young man, and I wish, forgive me, I don't know his name. Uh, he's a young African-American preacher in the States, and I wasn't able to get the reference. You know, those of you on Twitter, you see a good tweet, and then you go to try to refine it, and it's like, it's gone. And you're never going to see it again. But he said something like this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, quote him. He said, all of you joining this chorus of 2020 is the worst year ever. I hate 2020. 2020 is horrible. He says, don't talk to me like God hasn't been good to you. He says, don't tell me that God hasn't done something good for you. He says, stop spreading the negativity about 2020 is the worst year ever and start giving God praise for the stuff he's given you in 2020 and done for you in 2020. And I wish I, wish I could credit that young man uh, for the great uh, message he gave, but he's bang on. He's, he's bang on. Christians especially, saints, we shouldn't be whining about 2020. By the way, 2020 is just a number on a random calendar. It, it, it's not a thing. Right? It's not real. Y'all realize that, right? But there's a whole other thing. Okay. So patience to endure is the last. Patience to wait. Joy. Say thankful. He qualifies us, and we all get the same inheritance. We are all saints. So if you're not a saint this morning, be delivered from the kingdom of darkness and be brought into the kingdom of light. Become saints. Become citizens of the kingdom of God. Amen? Why don't you stand up with me and I want to speak a blessing over us as we've been doing. It's not going to be up there. Who's a saint this morning? Me. me. I'm a double saint. I play hockey as a saint and I'm a saint of the Lord. Amen? Who's a saint this morning? Come on, I want to hear it. Put up your hand, you're a saint. Now, walk, don't, now don't walk out here going, mm, I'm a saint. Mm. <laughs> Right? Don't walk out of here like, oh, I'm better than other people, whatever. And then you see somebody in the store, like, bless you. Bless you. I want to tell you a story. I went to Canadian Tire this week. Why? Val insisted we needed raid. So I went to the store to get raid. Okay? Raid, you know, bug spray. It kills spiders or whatever. Val's afraid of spiders. And so I'm in line and I'm paying. And you know, these days now, it's all. Everybody's got masks, it's, and they want you to tap pay so you can go faster. But this might be a bad thing, but I use my debit card so much, my tap doesn't work. And, um, <laughs> and so uh, I have to put it in the machine, like press the buttons. And as it was wrapping up, I looked at the young lady serving me. I just looked. And I guess in Canadian Tire, you have to wear golf shirts. And I saw her arm. And those of you who know what this is, and I just saw... She had been cutting herself, and there were scars all down her arm like that, you know? And I sort of froze. You know, there's people behind me, 
and it's COVID, and you can't really talk to anybody. And, I, and she was speaking French, but not very well, so I couldn't tell if she was French or English. You know how that happens, and uh, all that. And I was in this, and this, you know uh, when the world sort of slows down around you? Yeah. You ever had this called fog of war? Anyway, I had this thing where I was like, and I was like, what do I what do I do? And, you know, she's like, okay, bye. You know, she wants to get rid of me. And, um, and I'm just like, I got I guess I said, I can't really do much right here, but I got to pray. I'm, I'm out there. I'm a saint. I'm out there in this world. And I, now I know who she is. I know where she works. And I got to pray for this young lady. Clearly there's something going on in her life. You know, I'm sure her parents are concerned for her too. I'm not saying that, but that's what I'm talking about. Don't go out there and be like, mm, I'm a saint. Go out there and get our hands dirty. Go out there and interact with people and make a difference. Amen. Maybe I should have said, hey, God loves you or something. I don't know. I, I, you know. Now that I've left, after I walked away, you think of all the good things you should have said. You know? But at least I know I can go back shopping at Canadian Tire. But, but this, this is the people we need to There's so many people out there hurting. Don't, don't be fighting. Let's be helping them. Amen? So let's, I want to pray a blessing over you. I've been praying it every week. So it's Romans 15, 13. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. And all the saints said, Amen. Amen. All right.